Good morning, I'm Clark Zombreaker, and I get to serve here at Antioch Brighton as the Director of Ministry. And I have the honor of sharing God's Word once again with us this morning. Um, we're in a series that's titled Fight the Good Fight, where we are working our way through 2 Timothy. Last week, we looked at chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. And we saw that following Jesus and living in obedience to his gospel is a lot like walking along a straight road. And the straight road has ditches on either side of it. And if we swerve from the spirit of the gospel, the love, the grace, we are in danger of ending up and leading others into a ditch. Um, Or if we swerve from the substance of the gospel, which is just the plain meaning, the plain teachings of the gospel, we are in danger of ending up in a ditch and taking others with us. So this week, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 20 through 26, where Paul focuses in on one of those specific ditches. And so let's take a stroll through our passage this morning. So this is, this is verse 20 of chapter 2. Paul says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. So what Paul's saying here so far is pretty straightforward. He says that in a large house or, you know, think of like a wealthy house, there's a variety of houseware items. And these houseware items, they differ both in what they're made of as well as in how they're used. And so the items that are made of higher quality material are better suited for jobs of higher importance. Um, Those items that are made of a lower quality material are best suited for jobs that are more common. Um, So like I said, nothing too deep here, but as we read on, um, we see that Paul is setting up an analogy. And I appreciate that. I love analogies. I love a good one, a good analogy. So in verse 21, he says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So, after reading this verse, we see that it's not houses and housewares that Paul is concerned about. Um, In verse 19, Paul describes the good news of Jesus uh, as a firm, unshakable foundation of a building. And it seems that in this verse is what he's doing. He's continuing that analogy, uh, but he's moving up from the foundation to the building itself, which is a house. And um, in, in this uh, analogy, this is specifically, it's God's house. It's the church. And uh, we, we see from this verse that the housewares that he mentions in verse 20 represent individuals in this house, individuals in the church. So similar to a house that contains a variety of household items that consist of uh, diverse degrees of quality material and uh, that are suitable for uh, different jobs. So in the house of God, the church, there is a variety of individuals um, differing both in their makeup and their usefulness to the master of the house, who is God. So. Paul says that those individuals who consist of the lower quality material 
when they cleanse themselves of this lower quality material, they will actually become, uh, they will consist of the higher quality material and they will be more useful to the master of the house. So this analogy, I find this, this analogy that Paul's using here is really interesting because usually when Paul creates word pictures like this to describe the diversity within the church, usually the message is that diversity in the body is a beautiful thing. It's a reflection of God's heart. Um, it is something that's good and it's something that should be celebrated. It's something that, that, that should bring unity. But, but in this particular uh, instance, this, this word picture, Paul is suggesting that there's a diversity that is not to be celebrated. It's actually a diversity that should be uh, actually eradicated. Um, he's saying that everyone who is one type of houseware should strive to become another type in order to be more useful to God. And so the question is, what is Paul referring to here? Is Paul referring to uh, the spiritual gifts? You know, if you have this spiritual gift, you should strive to have this other spiritual gift so you can be more useful. Is he, is he referring to the different levels of education in the church or the different uh, socioeconomic statuses in the church, the different cultures? No way, he's, he's not referring to any of these things. He's actually referring to character. And so when we take into consideration the preceding passage that we looked at last week, and if we take into consideration the, the verses that we're about to read that follow, we see that he is specifically referring to the attitudes and the ideas that we cultivate within ourselves. Now, this is actually really encouraging to me because you know, of all the things that make me unique, there's not, there aren't many things that I can do that much about. Now, I can continue to develop my spiritual gifts. I can increase my education. But there's certain things I just can't change about myself. But there's one thing that I can change. There's something I can't control. And that's my character. That's the thing I have most control over. So praise God that this one thing has a huge impact on God's ability to use me. So I imagine Timothy, as he's reading the, these words of Paul, I imagine him saying, yes, this is what I want. I want to be useful to God. I don't want anything in me that's going to limit God's ability to do with me whatever he pleases to do, whatever, however big or however small he wants to use me. And so I can imagine Timothy saying, what do I need to do? How, how do I cleanse myself? from the stuff that limits my usefulness to the Father. So Paul, as we read on, Paul provides the answer in the following verses. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So Paul says here in this verse, Timothy, if you're wanting to cleanse yourself of these lesser things that hinder your usefulness to God, then do this, flee. Run away as fast as you possibly can from the evil desires of youth 
And not only this, but run away in the direction of something greater. Run away in the direction of righteousness, of faith, love, and peace. And don't do it alone. Don't run by yourself, but find some running buddies who are moving in the same direction to run with. So um, uh, this passage that we're looking at this morning, this verse here is probably the most familiar verse. Uh, the one that, that many of us are, 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 uh, have heard preached, maybe we've had it memorized, and certainly it's the one that I was most familiar with. And, and that here, the, whenever I encounter a familiar verse, I have to remind myself that familiarity can often lead to shallowness because I think I know everything that it has to say, and so I quickly move on. So I want to take a moment to consider what Paul is actually saying here. So what are these evil desires of youth, or as other translations word it, youthful lusts that Paul's referring to? So probably the most common assumption of this phrase's meaning is that Paul is referring to sexual lusts that often entangle the young. Now, I wanna make sure that, that you hear this. The entanglement of sexual lust is absolutely something that we should all flee from with everything within us. Um, however, if instead of interpreting this verse as a kind of a standalone verse, if we interpret it within the larger context, the, the, the section before and the section after, we're going to find that, that maybe Paul is referring to something else. And so, as we pan out, we see that this verse is sandwiched between two passages about quarreling, about fighting with others who have opposing beliefs. That the, the beginning, the, the preceding section and the, the section to follow has nothing to do with sexual lust. And so what this tells me and many commentators that I've read is that the specific evil desire of desires of youth that Paul's referring to has to do more with the desire to be right than it has to do with anything else. And so if we think about this, so Paul, history, the historical context tells us that Paul is, is a 60-something-year-old man as he's writing this. And he's writing this to a 30-something-year-old, mid-30s Timothy. And I imagine Paul can remember being younger. And Paul can remember the temptation to idolize being right in his own eyes. So matter of fact, Paul's in Paul's earlier days, when he was a youth, his idolization of rightness led to the literal destruction of many lives as he rode across Israel imprisoning and, and approving of the exe execution of many Jesus followers. So Paul is very acquainted with this evil desire. He warns Timothy of these evil desires that lead to the attempt to win arguments instead of winning people. So Paul says, run from these things, Timothy, and run towards righteousness. So there's a difference between rightness and righteousness. So rightness is all about being right in my own eyes. Whereas, or in the eyes of others, whereas righteousness 
if we, if we look at how the, 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 the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, paints this picture of righteousness, righteousness has more to do with being in right relationship with God, with others, and even with, with yourself. And so Paul is saying, pursue righteousness, Timothy, not rightness. Now, next he says, pursue faith. So faith is simply believing that God is actually who God says he is. And God actually does what God says that he does. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to pursue love. Love is the desire and the pursuit of that which brings about the best possible scenario for other people. And finally, Paul says, pursue peace, which is it's similar to righteousness. It's peace is right relationship with other people. And then finally, in this verse, Paul says, Timothy, as you run after these things, don't run alone, but run with others who are running after these things too. So according to womensrunning.com, not a website that I, I often visit, but according to an article on this website, that it's scientifically proven that running with others will result in you running faster and farther than if you were to run by yourself. So this isn't just true about running physically, but it's true when it comes to, to, to running the race and fighting the good fight and pursuing the kingdom of God. And so those who run with others will go faster and farther than those who run alone. And honestly, I believe that the primary reason I'm still following Jesus today um, is because of the grace of God that I have received from running with others over the decades. Now let's move on to the next verse. So Paul says in verse 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. So here Paul begins, I believe, to unpack what fleeing these evil desires of youth looks like. It, it looks like staying out of stupid arguments that simply lead to fights. You know, it leads to fighting over who's right and who's wrong. In verse 24, he says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but he must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. So this description of how the Lord's servant should live and operate is a complete 180 from how Paul lived before he met Jesus, when he was seeking to be a servant of the Lord. We see in the book of Acts that that in pursuing rightness, he was quarrelsome. He was, he was unkind. He was impatient. He was resentful towards those who did not agree with him. And Paul is saying, this is not how the servant of the Lord should be. He says in verse 25, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. In verse 26, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So Paul says that instead of trying to win arguments 
Opponents should be instructed with gentleness, not in hopes of winning the argument and feeling right in my own eyes or in the eyes of, eyes of others, but it should be done in hopes of the opponents turning to God, repenting, finding truth and finding liberation from the devil, the, the destroyer of their souls who has captured them for his own destructive purposes. And as a servant of the Lord, Timothy is to be about winning people, not arguments, not fights. So, now we come to what is probably the most important question. What now? How, how do Paul's words to Timothy relate to us? How is God inviting me? How is he inviting us to respond to the truth in these verses? So here's what I think is the first step. So all of the instruction in this passage that we've read, all of Paul's instruction to Timothy is based on a single assumption. And that single assumption is that the reader has a desire to be useful to the master of the house. So my, my first question for us is, what kind of household item do we wanna be? Do we wanna be an item that, 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 that God is severely limited in his ability to use? Or do we wanna be an item that God is able to use however his heart would move him? So to put it in another way, if, if God was a, a, a musician, if he was a pianist, and we are the piano. Are we content with being a piano that has half of its keys broken? Or do we wanna be a piano with 88 keys that are in tune and ready for action with which God could play whatever song is in his heart at any moment? So I think the place to start for some is praying and, and asking God to give us the want to. You may find that I'm not sure. I'm, I don't care how many keys are not working on my, my piano. There, there are times when, honestly, that's kind of how I feel emotionally. It's like, I'm, I'm all set, I'm good. Um, but I, I, I look in me for the, do I have a, do I want the want? I may not have the want, but I want the want. God, give me the want for this. So maybe that's a place for some of us to start this morning in responding. So another step is to ask God, what are the areas of my character? What are the, what are the ideas? What are the attitudes that limit your ability to use me as you would like to, God? Or specifically, where in my life do I put greater value on being right than I do on being in right relationship? Or put it another way, where do I value being proven right over being one who sets people free? So for me, I, I associate being right with being good, with being valuable. That is my flesh, that is not a godly, attribute, but it's something that, that I'm aware of that lives within me. 
And I can think of many times when I, I've, you know, maybe in a, an argument with, with Natalie or a child of my own. <laughs> I don't really get into many arguments with other people's children. <laughs> but, uh, or maybe a, 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 a conversation with someone, you know, else who I feel like is kind of attacking me for something they think I did that I didn't do. Um, I have been so focused on the facts at time that I, that I've blinded myself to the feelings of the person before me and, and in doing so I've damaged the relationship in my pursuit of rightness. So maybe your next step is to find some running buddies. Have you been running alone? Um, find some other people who are running after the things that you're wanting to run after. These things, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And join with them and run alongside of them. Let them into your lives, get into their lives. And, and at, here at Antioch Brighton, we primarily do that through what we call our life groups. These are our small groups. If you're interested in finding out more information about our life groups, text the phone number that's gonna be on the screen after this message and let us know. We'd love to, to share some more information. So one practical step of, of ru running with some other people is, is come back to the Zoom meeting at 1145, the same meeting that you just left to watch this video at 1145. And we're going to uh, be broken up into small groups of like three to five people. And it's going to be an opportunity to share what's going on in your life and to pray with others in a small group. Let others pray for you and for you to find encouragement in your run. It's really, really sweet time that we have in those small groups. So Antioch Brighton, um, it's good being with you this morning virtually. And again, I am so thankful to have many of you as my running buddies as we are, are running after the heart of God. Because of you, I'm able to run faster and farther. Bless you.